Social Strategy Podcast, episode 67. Welcome to the Social Strategy Podcast, where it's all about making the most of your business with smart tips on what's working now in social media, online business, and good old-fashioned networking. And now your host, who's also known as Ross PR on Twitter, Vernon Ross. Hey everyone, this is Vernon Ross and welcome to the Social Strategy Podcast, bringing you the best in online business, social media, and good old-fashioned networking. And guys, I got a treat for you today. I've got a sexy boss. (laughs) I've got Chief Sexy Boss, Heather Ann Havenwood. And, you know, when I ran into Heather, actually it was through a connection, and she's got a really interesting background from starting off as a, a shape and fitness competitor, getting into a very interesting career in real estate. And that story in itself is going to be interesting to you guys, how it actually happened. Yeah. Living on an island and then somehow making her way back to the States. She's in Texas. So we got a Texas girl in the house. Yep. I mean, you know, started back in 1999 online. So she's got a really wide range of experience in actually building an online business. She was able to start from zero and go to a million dollars in sales in less than 12 months. Uh, Heather is the CEO of Havenwood Worldwide LLC, and she is the chief sexy boss. Heather, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Wow, I sound really cool when you say <laughs> Your intro was amazing. Thank you. No, no I problem. appreciate that very much. Now, you got, you have an interesting background. So let's see. I where, didn't think it was along the way, right? You're like oh, on the journey. Right, yeah. This like, sucks. Oh, and then suck. you're like, oh, wow, that's <laughs> fascinating. I'm like, I didn't think about it on the way, right? Um, and I like the part you talked about. I was an island that I came back to the States. Actually, it, the island was in the United States, but it did feel like that. It did feel like uh, it was okay. not on the United States see, property. But see, I couldn't, I couldn't find out what the name of the island was. Marco I, Island. Oh, Florida. okay. Oh, it's oh okay. Yeah, it's off the tiny. keys, right? It's the very, very tip. Yeah. If you go anywhere else, you'll like just fall off into the Everglades and you'll be lost forever. So <laughs> it's Marco Island, the very bottom of Florida. Ah, well, that well, that's kind of another country. It is. Yeah. Two mile by four mile, the entire island. One way on, one way off. One one bridge. If it's taken down, you're you're hanging out on the island for the rest of your life. <laughs> oh, wow. How fun. Yeah, it was an interesting process. So anyway. So let's well, talk about that a little bit. How'd you how'd you end up on an island? I was broke. Um, I, I, what happened is I was living in Orlando and I was traveling the country doing real estate seminars back in 2001 through 2005, six. And if you look look back at the time frame of that uh, time era, that was during like, what I called the boom mm-hmm. of Bush era and boom of uh, real estate. And everyone was buying and selling houses. If you breathed and you had a social security number, you could buy three houses. Yeah. So um, I was, that was my, um, I call introductory to the information marketing and entrepreneurial world. So I traveled the country. I worked for the top seminar companies in the country working for real estate. And that's where I learned the art of direct response, persuasion, sales, market. I mean, I learned it all. Um, presentation in front of people, none of this standing behind a, a you know, a computer screen like you did look at people and ask them for money right. face to face. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, yeah, that's where I learned it all. But I also... I started a business with a business partner and we went ballistic and it went really well, really fast. Uh, but my, you know, I think in entrepreneurship, you learn along the way. There is not what I call uh, an owner's manual, mm-hmm. you know, just like relationships you learn along the way. And uh, there's this thing called contracts and lawyer contracts. Oh, those pesky that. things. <laughs> I was like, oh, you have to worry about that. So, um, yeah, so what happened is I just had a business partner and we did very well. But then I came home one day from a seminar, actually a marketing seminar, uh, Matt ba- Matt Bazak in Atlanta, and I came home and everything was gone. Wow. Uh, merchant accounts were gone, my logins didn't work, money was gone, bank accounts were emptied. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, and I had this big debt, and uh, mortgage was due the next day, and let's just say I lost everything. So I had to file bankruptcy and foreclosure, and I learned. I learned that was my first experience of literally having a house. You buy 70% loan to value. You're totally fine. And then then three years later, it goes backwards. Yeah. Yeah. And back, I mean, if you, unless you experience, it's hard to conceptualize. Like, how is the house worth 300? Now it's worth like 160 in like six months. I'm confused. Yeah. It was my first experience. I think people that were older, like they always say, well, 
you know, now you've learned. That's called the seven-year cycle. <laughs> right. um, you young whippersnapper, you know. So that's my experience. So what happened is I just lost everything. I literally lost my house, sold everything, and I got in my truck, had an SUV truck and uh, my dog and my car. The only bill I had was my cell phone and feeding myself. And I had a friend in Marco, and I didn't have a place to go. Like, I didn't have a backup plan. So... um He's like, come down here. So I lived with uh, him for a year, and I just kind of stared off into space for a while. You know, just like, how did that happen to me? I thought I was smart and kind of had a woe is me for a while. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And I I went, tried to become a waitress. I'm not very good at that. I think it lasted two weeks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they fired me in a loving way, you know, like you're not very good at this thing called service. I'm like, no. Um, and so I tried to kind of go back into what I call real world, you know, and mm-hmm. get a job at Starbucks. I was trying anything. And this is also 2006, seven. And at the time in Florida, there was just to give you an idea of how Florida was at the time, because Florida was like Vegas. It was just starting to become a ghost town. No, no money and real estate was upside down. And, um, I remember I called U-Haul, right? And I was like, I need to get a U-Haul, a little, little U-Haul from Marco Island to Orlando. And, and it was one that you just put in the back of a truck and, you know, move it up there. It'd be like 200 bucks or something, right? It was like five or $600 or something insane. And I said, why? They go, well, everyone's leaving. We can't keep <laughs> down there. Oh, my God. The closest one to you is like an hour and a half away. So it just gives you an idea, you know, of the, what was going on. And I remember a friend of mine who told me, he said, you know, Heather, one of the biggest lessons I learned in my life is that you're not a tree. You can move. And just because maybe something's going on around you that's not good doesn't mean that you have to stay there. People, I think a lot of people were like stuck. I'm not leaving. So I, I did that for about a year. And then finally I woke up one day and said, okay. I'm done with this. Well, as me and the ocean's nice, but I'm kind of bored. Right. Uh, and everyone here is dying. The average age is 80. So I had no friends. So I woke up and I was like, you know, I'm done. I'm going to Austin and I'm from Texas. I was kind of coming home, but I knew Austin was a very happening place and a creative place and a place that was focused on entrepreneurship and growth and technology and people were doing things and shaking. And that's important to be in a surrounding yourself with an energy. So that's what happened. So I got a (laughs) U-Haul and I, uh, you know, left with my remainder stuff that I had not much and moved to uh, Austin. Been here ever since. Well, awesome. That's that's an interesting way to to end up there. Now, were you in fitness competition before or after? I did do fitness competition in Florida, but I didn't know what I was doing. Like I did technically do it, but I didn't. Not really. I don't consider it. Um, so when I got here in Austin, I started doing a lot of working out, a lot of yoga, and uh, just this last summer, I did my true fitness competition. It was on my 40th birthday. Like, the actual event was on my actual 40th birthday, the day. And so, yeah, on my 40th birthday, I got in a tiny little bikini. I uh, painted myself very dark, and I walked across the stage and asked people to judge me. It was stupid. Like, it was (laughs) – if you look at it that way, you're like, you're stupid. But actually, it was a pretty powerful experience for myself um, to kind of go through that process. And people ask me all the time, like, how would you do? And I'm like, for me, I did amazing. And you have to understand, you're on stage with some amazing – powerful women that look phenomenal you know the top of the top i had 43 competitors they were just amazing but for me this is how entrepreneurship is i brought every i brought me 100 percent me i did as the best that i could that i knew that i could you know what i mean i don't feel that i skimmed it all i did 100 percent me and there's room for improvement you know but it was a good experience how'd you place I didn't place. Yeah, there's only three places and 43 beautiful women, and I didn't place the top three. You know what your ranking was? No, they didn't tell. No, it was just like top three, and that's it. Yeah, I remember back in the day, um, I did bodybuilding, which is why I asked, because when I saw that, I'm like, oh, okay, I got to ask about this. Yeah, it was bodybuilding. So it was figure. You know, they have figure bodybuilding. And And that's rough, and people don't understand the amount of dedication that it takes day in, day out, when you really don't want to eat another piece of chicken. Or another yes, can of tuna. <laughs> yeah, and you're trying to diet down, and you're trying to carb deplete, and your brain's not working, and you just want to eat a cracker. 
Yes. <laughs> and when yes. you do, it feels like life. <laughs> so. yeah, no, the water yeah. depletion, it was, it, it yeah. was interesting was the last week, uh, my coach and my boyfriend were like, you need to stop working. Cause I was, I was like a massive blonde. Like what? I, what'd you say? <laughs> I mean, I was so out of it. Cause your carb depleting, yeah. your water depleting. I couldn't get anything done. I was like stupid. It was interesting. Yeah. It was really interesting. I'd cry at the top of that. I don't know what, you know? Um, yeah, it's, I wouldn't suggest it. It's ridiculous. Yeah. But you know what it says though, I think from, from like an entrepreneur standpoint is that's, that's what it's like. Yeah. It's, you know, it's almost like one big cycle cycle of carb depletion where you're, yes. You're, you're, yeah. you're constantly trying to get your skin thin enough so it looks good on stage and the muscle sirations show through. And Well, and, and you're African-American, so you don't have this. But, like, I'm a white girl, and I got to get tan. I think I had, like, five <laughs> coats painted, literally black paint. You're just painting your body. You know what I mean? Right. You have it a little easy, okay? A little bit. Man, but, yeah, I, like... It took me like five days of showers, a bunch of showers. Right. Now I just go out to the Florida sun for about an hour or so and throw some oil on See, it. Yeah, right. That's not right. <laughs> That's not fair. Yeah, that was that was interesting piece that because you have to start tanning like two days prior and you can't take a shower. So you get there and you just kind of reek, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Been through it. So there you go, guys. That's the whole bodybuilding fitness experience if you're curious. But, you know, I have to say this about it from. People came out and said, why are you doing it? Why are you doing it? Why are you doing it? For me, you know, to see if I want to do it. I think entrepreneurship is like that. Yeah. Like, we, how do we do stuff? I don't know. For me, because I'm crazy, I don't like to see if I could do it. Yeah. I mean, that's really entrepreneurship to see if I can do it. Yeah. And it's it's a struggle and it's it's constantly challenging yourself to figure out constantly what works. Constantly challenging myself. Yeah. Because you, you won't eat something and it doesn't work and you blow and then you eat something else and all of a sudden you're looking good. So it's the same kind of thing. But yeah. Getting off the bodybuilding, because <laughs> we got on that somehow, but bringing it back around to, to what you're currently doing, Chief sure. Sexy Boss, how did you come up with that brand? Where did that, where does that come from? That's my Chief Sexy Boss <laughs> dog in the background. And so back to the Chief Sexy Boss. So how did I come up with Chief Sexy Boss? Well, actually, I didn't come up with it. Joe Sugarman, a dear friend of mine, copywriter and amazing. Oh, yeah. I know that uh, name. Yeah. Yeah, you know him. Entrepreneur. He said it to me one time. I was in Vegas visiting him, and he's like, "You know, you're, you're like, you're sexy, and you're kind of boss, and you're boss, you're, you're like a sexy boss." He just said it in his hit, and actually, I know I am the trademark of it, uh, which is an interesting process. And and when we, he helped me with that process because he does blue blockers, and he understood it, so he helped me kind of do with a lawyer. But what was interesting is that we started the process of just getting this little trademark sexy boss this little girl you know mm -hmm. and uh we got a call one day from the lawyer and they said hey um hugo boss is kind of upset that you're doing this I'm like huh <laughs> okay <laughs> like the hugo boss so yeah we had to go through this back and forth process with their big time lawyers in new york and i have to agree to all these things i'm not going to do with the sexy boss because it might be upsetting to hugo boss Isn't oh my gosh yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. I never I did not know that. That didn't come out in the research. That's funny. Yeah. It, well, yeah, I don't talk about it. But um for a while there they were playing hardball, you know, like, well, you can't do it this and you can't do that. And I thought, hmm, my entrepreneurial little mind said, Hmm, I wonder if the Today Show would have me on with this headline, you know, because Secret Boss was actually created um out of the Nazis. Like Hitler actually hired the real Hugo Boss to create all of the uh, uniforms for Nazi, for the for the Nazi team for the Nazi I guess you call army yeah right so that's actually how the Hugo Boss who's a man who's a tailor in Germany actually got started so I had this headline of you know bad Nazi company picking on a small female entrepreneur oh my God. you know just trying to make it you know. Um, because <laughs> I kind of awesome. felt that way, like Hugo Boss cares what I'm doing, you know. But that's that's what's so cool about being an entrepreneur. Yeah, you know? that's funny. You made an impact. Did I did you, make. An did impact. you get on to the, on the Today Show with that? I didn't because they backed down. They're like, okay. So I was like, well, what's the point? They backed down on whatever we were asking for, and right. 
It was fine. That's interesting. But I thought about it, and I was ready to start creating the story. You know, like <laughs> right now. So, so with the Sexy Boss brand, you've got a mission to empower a hundred million women. Yes. In in their journey to become financially independent and self confident and self reliant through entrepreneurship education. True, and I'm not against men, by the way. Like, of course not. All you know, almost all my clients are men, so it's not about that. It's it's not like a distinction of like only men, only female, not not men. But the reason of the focus on female is there's a book uh, by Lynn Twist that I read years ago, um, around the time when I was on my journey in Marco Island, and it's about the soul of money. The name of the book is called The Soul of Money. Here's the point. The point was she worked or works for the Hunger Project. So her job is to end hunger in the world, right? And she, her job was to ask people for money to help fundraise for Hunger Project. Mm-hmm. And the Hunger Project asked a question. It was kind of an, an unanswerable question. What's the number one u- underutilized resource on the planet that if that was like handled or taken care of, it would end world hunger. And it's an interesting question. It's like, how do you answer that question? And they did some research and they found out the answer. What's the answer? You gonna, Vernon? No, no, no idea. No idea. Well, okay. You know, I, w- I would assume educating girls. Well, yes, yeah, female. So the the answer is the number one underutilized resource in the planet is women. That if we if they were taught how to create commerce, a AIE entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. if they were able to learn how to create business work, then and make commerce, then they could feed their families. So that's actually micro loans is what was created out of Hunger Project. Oh, is, so is that where the whole Kiva deal came from and and all? Of yeah. That? Um, well, the micro loans and then Kiva's is a micro loan company, and many micro loans are. Companies are now out there, nonprofits. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the con- the question was first asked, you know, and then microloans got created because the whole point of microloans is giving like two hundred dollars to um, a, a woman in third world country to create knitting or something, and she can sell it, you know, and then she can make money to feed her children. Right. Right. Because how it used to be is the man would go off to work wherever that was. It wasn't necessarily down the street all the time. And then he was supposed to come back and give the, the money to the women so she could feed the children. But that always happened all the time. He was mm-hmm. gone. Maybe he never came back. Maybe he never gave her the money. Right. So she's over there. Like, how do I feed my children? Right. So it's just like another aspect. And so I think in America, it's a little different where it's like, if you, it's very powerful as a person. Like if I can create my own commerce, Wow, like me. I don't have to go look for a job. I can create it. There's a powerfulness there. And I think that uh, man, woman, child, having that is pretty powerful. No, yeah, indeed, indeed. So now how do you accomplish that? Well, good good point. Um, I would say teaching the skills of sales, marketing, entrepreneurship. Uh, Joe Sugarman, like I said, dear friend of mine, he said to me a long time ago, he said, Heather, no matter what happens to me, I always knew that I had the power of the pin. That if I lost everything, it would be okay because I had the power of the pin, meaning he could sell anything with the power of the pin, right? Selling, marketing. When you can market and sell anything, you'll always have something to sell and market, and you'll always be able to create a commerce for yourself. Even it might not be your product, right? Mm-hmm. But think of how many vendors create products and they don't have to sell. Right. And they're starving or starving artists, as they call it, starving artists. They're these creators of these magnificent art, but they're not going to sell it. So the key is the what I call copywriting, sales, and marketing. So that's the biggest skill set I think everyone everyone should have. When, when we start talking about building an, an online presence and sales and marketing, uh, for instance, with your book, and I got, I guess I didn't actually mention this, but... Heather is the author of a book titled Sexy Boss, How Female Entrepreneurs Are Beating the Big Boys Yep. While Changing the Rule Book for Money, Success, and Even Sex, yes. which is just an awesome title. And, Thanks. of course, How You Can Too. <laughs> and How so. You Can Too. Yeah, and the, I went round and round on that title. Uh, Joe, Joe 
helped me with that too. But being the big boys was the interesting part of it because uh, I think that some women, I'm just generalizing here, feel it's like that. Like, yeah. oh, I, I, I got to beat the big boys. I, I don't know how to do that, you know? So I think it kind of illustrated how they feel. I'm not saying it's actually accurate necessarily. Mm-hmm. I just think it's how they feel. You know, it looks well, yeah. that it, it comes know. across that way. I mean, just in dealing with a male-dominated society, Industry. period, yeah. no yeah, matter period. what it is, there is a certain level of competition that I've heard women talk about that they deal with and that they have to go up against. And the reason that women do so well together in groups is because it's it's a structure of empowerment so that they can actually lean on each other. And what I've seen is that you know, a lot of the times women are better salespersons or, you know, they're better at marketing. They're better at actually going out there and doing it. Because just from my standpoint, men aren't as disciplined to get the stuff done that women are because we don't have to juggle as many things. So, you know, I mean, if, if you're a mom or just if, even if you're not, if you have had any responsibility, women are usually just as sisters and daughters and everything else, juggling multiple things whether it's sports whether it's helping Mm -hmm. out at home or anything that they have to do they generally execute it quicker and with more precision just from my life (laughs) growing up no it's true send your your angry letters to me for saying it but i know that the wife (laughs) keeps me organized yeah well I, i do believe that every behind every strong man is a powerful woman i just think that's so accurate and um Again, it's not like this is the conversation. It's not like just against men. I'm, it's not about that. It really is the power of what I call male energy and female energy. Mm-hmm. Right? If you look at Think of Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill, uh, Chapter 7, Sex Transmutation, yep. that book is about what we're talking about. He says it. He says that um, success, a part of success is being able to, he calls it the labor of love, mm-hmm. okay, and in the world that we're in, what I call gay relationships, however you want to look at it, it's the female and male energy, okay? And are the female and the male ability to co-create together, right. i.e. kids, but also co-create a, a, what I call a home, right, mm-hmm. or business together. Um, it's There's a yin and yang to it. And he talks about that in the book, that it's not until really a man, because he talks about 1934, a man is able to... Ha- what I call being a labor of love that's positive, um, will he be able to succeed? Now, there's also negative to that. He also talks about, and doesn't say these words, but he says it, that um, a woman can either break or make a man, right? Right. And you've probably seen that oh, great yeah. man who goes through, let's say, a nasty, nasty divorce or married to a not-so-great woman who's just constantly bringing him down. It is going to be hard if not, completely impossible for him to really uh, what i call get to his full potential in life right yeah you hardly ever see that you hardly ever see that now having a man that has okay potential and then marries or is with an amazing woman who's just 100 percent empowering him all the time you see him just blossom you know and get to his massively full potential and that is part of it not to be esoteric but actually he talks <laughs> about the book that's part of the success system yeah no, no, no. The Napoleon Hill is is great, and I recommend that book all the time. But everyone always skips that chapter. Yeah, oh, they do. They don't want to. Yeah, like, they don't want to read that. It. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they don't want to talk all about. about. <laughs> it's a little too woo woo. <laughs> it's a little too woo woo. From I don't get it. They think it's just sex, you know. Right. They don't think it's actually the transmutation part is the energy part, the sexual creativity energy, and sexual or love energy is the most powerful energy we as human beings have. And I feel, this is my view, is that entrepreneurs are tapped into that. They're tapped into their higher self. They're tapped into their creative energy. They're tapped into their sexual energy. I just believe that. Yeah, I think so. I think it, I, I think that it, it shows a lot when you start talking about entrepreneurs and the, um, the relationships they have and the mm-hmm. relationships they have to choose based on what they're trying to do versus the relationships that they had before they became an entrepreneur because it's different. And as you develop as an entrepreneur, you'll actually start to see your relationships change and the people that don't quite get it and aren't in that space and don't have that same energy end up not being in your friend space. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a mentor of mine, Richard Flint. He he's explained it this way, which I just love this. It's such a great visual, you know. He said, "Okay, now uh, take everyone in your life and and pretend like view yourself. You're walking down." A street in New Orleans, right? You've been to New Orleans? Oh, yeah, saying? I have, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. The girls at the top showing the boobies. Right? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so you have a lot of balconies, okay? And then you also have a lot of gutters in New Orleans. They can kind of smell there, too. Um, so he's like, picture yourself walking down the street, and all of your friends and family are there. They're either in one or two places. They're either on the balconies cheering you on, or they're in the gutters grabbing your feet and trying to pull you down. Oh, wow. And it's the only place you can put them. You can't put them next to you. You have to put them in one of those places. And it's like immediate, right? Immediate. You're like, Johnny's there. Sarah's (laughs) there. Oh, my God. I really want to acknowledge that. It was really powerful because sometimes the closest people you, quote, unquote, have known forever, Mm -hmm. they're the ones grabbing at your heels, you know? And so you have to really really look at that relationship and go, okay, where am I headed in life and am I going to be able to get there with someone always nabbing at my heels, trying to pull me down to the gutters. I don't know, you know, so, right. but I love that visual. You that, know? That's a powerful visual. It, it is. really is. It's not mine. Richard Flint. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. I think that my first time I did that, it was someone I was <clears throat> in a relationship with, you know, and the moment you say the person's name, they go one place or the other. You know what I mean? You don't have to yeah. think about it very long. It literally is like, bing, your brain's like, pew. You know, and I'm like, oh, they're in the gutter. Yep. Hmm. Yeah, I just went through a list of people in my head. and hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, you're like, oh, up, down, up, down, up, down, 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 down. Yeah, so it's pretty powerful. And sometimes also family, you yeah. know. Oh, you're yeah. Like, oh, why? Uh, yeah. So you have to remove yourself from the situation or, or at least what I call, uh, you know, nicely just not talk about talk about your ideas anymore with them. I'm not talking about really what you're up to. It's just leave it to yourself, the people that are really do support you. So uh, that's a big piece of entrepreneurship because if you go on that journey and that path, you sometimes lose some friends along the way. Yeah. Gain new ones. But well, of course, usually better ones, but you do yeah. lose a, you, you lose a few. Yeah, absolutely. So if people are curious, how do you actually, what do you do to make money? I know you're, I know you're a coach and you have your book. And yeah. I'm assuming that you speak. Yep. So how does how does that look to an entrepreneur that's they're they're getting into this space? They're mm-hmm. trying to figure out, okay, I've got this brand, I've got a good story, uh, I'm in the process of writing my book, or I have my book, and it's it's brand new. It's just an ebook, it's self published, but I've got it. How do I start? What how do I actually make this make money and make it make sense? Okay, well it might sound uh rudimentary, but it's first getting really clear on who you're talking to, which is not everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really getting clear on who you're, who do you want to call to have them listen to you, you know? And then what's the intention? A book is just a calling card. It's not necessarily what I call the end all end all. It's just a, it's like a, um, a business card. It's the beginning of a funnel and a funnel for me is a sales process and sales, you know, the end result is, is what I call exchange of money for a product or service. Mm -hmm. So for me, I have a few funnels. One is uh, I do do coaching. I do do business coaching specifically in sales and marketing. I, I work with my clients on this. What are, what's your avatar? Who are you talking to? What are your sales funnels? Uh, how many people do you have in your leads? And what's happening is most of the time they're like, oh, I don't know. I just like, I don't know. It just like happens. Like a wrong answer, right? So that's the first piece is getting clear on your sales process. Who are you talking to? What are they going to buy? How are they going to get close to you? The second piece of that, though, is what I call upgrading, where you're taking the information and you're taking the lead and then you're selling them something uh, bigger because the money is what I call always in the back end, meaning you bring them close to you with a book, and then what else are you selling, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, on uh, my daily basis, I'm either coaching people, guests on podcast, and or um, running my dating business. I have a, an online information marketing dating business where I teach men how to talk to and communicate to women. And with that, I do email all day, doing two or three emails a day um, to that list. That list is for men specifically, for men only, really. 
And uh, on that list, I talk to men about that. And then I sell my products, other people's products, a lot of affiliate marketing, a lot of email marketing through that process. So that's what I do every day. And that's the first thing I would say to people is really get focused on what they're doing, how they're going to build the list, who they're talking to. And when they purchase you, what's the next step? What's the next thing for them to purchase? They buy the book. What's next? What's next? What's next? Right. No, it's, it's really interesting. When you, um, when you speak, do you do, how much speaking do you do? Um, well, podcasting, I do a ton cause I can do it from the comfort of my home. Right. Um, I haven't traveled a lot too much for speaking, but I used to travel the country and that's all I did. Right. Right. Yeah. I do. You were saying that with the real yeah. estate business. I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to frame this question oh, and sure. the way that I want to, I want, I want to make sure that I've had a lot of people on that talk about sales and acquiring customers and, sure. you know, who's your building out this, this avatar, this perfect person, you know, constructing Bob and what Bob likes and yeah. where he goes and what he does every day. That's, yeah, that's key. Mm-hmm. So, so when you figure that out, what would you say when you actually have to pick up the phone? Because sometimes, especially with a lot of the entrepreneurs I deal with, they're local and they, they have a local business that's an SEO business or something like that. And they're just not driving the sales online yet. Yeah. Yeah, you got to get away from the computer. And that sounds really odd that I said that, but um, I'm an online marketer. I have a master's degree in online marketing. Am I crazy? From Full Sail University. <laughs> Didn't even know you could do that, right? Right. Um, I think it was 2012 or 13 I graduated. So what's interesting is people do business with people, not computers, mm-hmm. and they don't, do, uh, they don't do business with websites. People do business with people. So the point that I'm saying is if you're a local business, the best thing for you to do is get out of the business and get out into what I call the real world, right? So that could be uh, a local rotary. It could be a local small business group. It could be you positioning yourself as an expert and doing a meetup yourself or you're doing education piece. It could be that you're doing a webinar um, but with local businesses, local people like to be what I call out and about more. And I think that's a critical piece. You got to get away from the computer, especially if you're a website agency, SEO, that your target market, small business owners, you have to get out of the, out and away from the computer and out there with them, mm-hmm. mingling with them, talking to them. Cause I think that small business owners today still do business what I call what I call old school, right? They're meeting, they're greening, they're shaking hands. They're who are you? Talking about you? What do you do? That's um, a really key piece. It's called belly to belly marketing. They see your face. You know, I think it's a, that's a key and start to begin to uh, set yourself up as an expert. From the get-go, even if it's just a small business, you want to set yourself up as an expert in a particular field as fast as you possibly can. Right. Yeah, and you can do that through podcasts or whatever, but, yeah, definitely the face-to-face. Even the local level. Yeah, right? the face-to-face interaction is important. Do you, um, in your sales conversations, do you have very many in-person sales conversations? I just had one today. Oh, cool. Tell us about it. I just it. drove one, just drove back from one. As much as you can without going into detail. Yeah, no, sure, no problem. Um, yeah, it, it's not common for me, actually. And I told I told her that. I was like, this is actually kind of fun to talk to you. She's a local business owner. She uh, owns a stationary company, and she's looking at taking more of her products online. So we had a great conversation. And it was a belly-to-belly conversation. Um, what was great about it is I could see her expressions. I could see what maybe what I said didn't resonate or resonated uh, asking her questions, how she felt about it. You can see how people respond on a face-to-face, belly-to-belly level. That's why I loved seminars. When I traveled the country, I loved seminars and face-to-face selling because you can read people's energy. You know, mm-hmm. like if I'm talking to you right now and you're like rolling your eyes at me, I have no <laughs> idea. Or you're like, yawn, uh, you're boring. I could feel that if I'm looking at you. You know, I can feel that energy of like, okay, this person does not care what I'm saying. Um, and you can shift what you're saying to potentially what I call mirror match them, which is a technique. Mm-hmm. I think in, in um, I think every salesperson should learn how to sell belly to belly 
or in front of people um, before they get online to sell. I just believe that. The challenge with a lot of people that are going to online sales is that they haven't had that experience. And the ones that are the most successful, you always hear a background of, oh, I started doing book sales when I was 10 or right. uh, I was doing newspaper sales when I was 20 or whatever. They always have some story about they started with belly to belly sales, knocking on doors, network marketing, something, you know, for me, it was business to business sales. And I think that's a great that's a great what I call cutting your teeth on it because when you start to sell something and you see people's immediate reactions to you, man, it changes you, you know? Right. <laughs> like, yeah, no, it does. It does. I've, I've sold in person before and it's just a different feeling. It is a different get. feeling, but it gives you the confidence when you're in an online situation to do it correctly. Right. Yeah. Especially when you close, it's just, there's no feeling like yeah. actually closing a sale that you worked hard on and was actually able to deliver a product that's making someone happy. And then they tell you how happy they are about it. It's now it's an amazing feeling. Yeah. What was interesting and in, uh, not to be esoteric. So when I traveled the country for doing seminars. Um, so just, just picture this for a minute. Cause people have a hard time believing this. So I, I would went in with the team. We would uh, all travel together. It's usually uh, all guys and me. And the speaker and like two other guys would our job was to help close the sales. Okay. So we would travel into like Chicago. We'd be there Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday to get an idea. And we go to different hotels every day. <laughs> okay. One hotel different day. So you know, Chicago's big as north, south, east, west, whatever, part of right, town. Right. And uh we would do two presentations a day, one PM and seven PM, okay? And so we'd set the whole room. And then people would flood in, strangers, <laughs> and we had two hours to sell them. $3,000 product. Wow. And if we didn't sell, here's a few things that would happen. One, we didn't make any money. A. B, um, we were considered then a bad team, and we all of a sudden were no longer going to Chicago. We are going to places like Peoria, Illinois, or like <laughs> some really horrible place I don't even know, right? And so we didn't want that to happen. So we would make sure we sold at least, and here are the numbers, what's interesting. The company was happening when we sold 12%. Now, and some people are like, that's ridiculously low. No, it's not. If you think about it, we have 100 people mm -hmm. that we see selling 12% at $3,000 a head. And the company was happy. Yeah. If we sold 20%, we were like the golden child. Well, the point of it is, A, it was a very, uh, I want to say hard, it was a... Um, Interesting learning experience to go from complete stranger to an hour and a half, you're going to give me $3,000 and could be completely happy with the experience. Like you're going to love me and I'm going to give you a piece of paper back. I'm not going to give you a box of anything. All right. And then you're going to love me. And then on top of, you're going to come back in two weeks or a week and do a three-day seminar. And you're still going to love me and love our company. That is an interesting... <laughs> process yeah. to go through. I mean, nowadays people put these VSLs up and they don't even know the people's experience or, you know, like they just know how many sales they got. Right. They don't really like care. Like, do they love us? Do they hate us? Do they get any value? Like it's, it's, uh, there's a big piece that's missing. Uh, but that's what I did. I did an hour and a half VSL, you know, and the end of it, we asked for $3,000. And if we got 10, 10 or 12%, we were allowed to go back to Chicago the next week. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yay, we get to get a steak dinner. Uh, but nowadays, people are like, 10 or 12%, that's horrible. Or, oh, my God, that's low. Not really if you look at it. And yeah. sales is a numbers game. Yeah, not at three grand a pop, it's not. Yeah, three grand a pop. And we actually, oh, here's the other piece that was interesting. And I, I, I bring these, these experiences to my coaching because a lot of business owners think that they should make money on the front end. Now, remember... $3,000, we hit 12%. The company was happy. Not only that, if we broke even, I'm talking like made a dollar for them, they're happy. A dollar. <laughs> after after the plane ticket, the marketing, all these things, they made a dollar. They're like, oh, we love you. You're the A-team. Wow. Because they knew that was the acquisition cost of getting a customer. Yeah. And that they knew that they could, were going to be able to sell that customer over and over and over and over again, other products and services, upgrade, upgrade, upgrade. That's the piece where entrepreneurs fail. They just focus on the first piece. They don't focus on, right? If that company had only focused on that first seminar, 
and they did no other selling, they, they, no way they would have been around a year. Right. Yeah. So the way that translates to your online stuff, in case people don't understand it, is how? Upsells, upsells, upsells. Affiliate marketing, continue to email market. When I, when, I, when I send an email to my list, which is sometimes two, three times a day, depending on the list, there is always something to buy. Always. Always, 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 <laughs> always. None of this like, well, I just don't want to sell anything. I just get content. No, always. Okay. It's like turn on CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, whatever, and then tell them, okay, now you're not supposed to sell me anything between 9 a.m. and 10 a.m. <laughs> right. They're going to be like, what? No commercials, please. There's no commercial free day. Or hour ever? Why? Because it's constant selling. You don't open a magazine and never see advertisement. You don't open a newspaper and never see advertisement. Why would you send an email to your list and never sell them something? <laughs> exactly. Crazy. <laughs> but we you all know? we all feel bad about it. Why? No. No. I, I have no idea why people slap, feel slap, bad about slap, it. Slap. No. <laughs> right. No. Ever. Ever. I mean, never. I never. Ever. Ever, 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 ever send an email out without selling something. That they don't have to they don't have to buy it, they don't have to click on it. It's their choice, yeah? yeah. But there's always an opportunity for them to choose. How interesting. So that that is contrary to what most people feel social media is for. Because most people, you know, they just don't like, well, well, I don't want to be sold to on social. How do you how do you feel about that? I think that's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Uh, yeah. I, yeah, I don't even want to say that. I, I, social media is just a medium. Okay. To uh, acquire customers, acquire leads and to acquire, a pot, you know, potential sales. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so even my branding, I do, I'm still driving them to something to capture their lead, potentially have them purchase something from Amazon with my name on it, whatever it is, I'm still driving them somewhere so that there's a process of in the sales environment, capturing lead as a sales process, you know, that could maybe sell them later on something, maybe not my products, maybe somebody else's. That's another thing entrepreneurs, I work with them a lot on is, they're like, well, I don't have anything else to sell. Like, I only have these three products or three services. Like, well, your buyers X. What else do they want to buy? What else are they buying out there? Why not they buy from you and you make a commission? Hello, mm-hmm. you know. So uh, again, I look at email as another medium. Social media is a different medium. Email marketing, to me, this is my view. It's like TV now. Okay. Let me say it this way. You turn on the TV, you go to a channel that you like, and then you listen, watch, whatever, okay? Email is the same way. You're scrolling through your TV guide, which is your email box, and then you click on something, and you read it, and then you might click on the link, and then you might go down that little rabbit hole. It's the same kind of thought process that we do with our TV guide, or we, you know, our guide on AT&T or whatever you use, right? right? It's the same. We go to guide and we flip, 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 flip. Oh, that looks good. Flip, flip, flip. That looks good. Same thing with email. We go to our email and go, wait, wait, wait. Oh, what's that? What's that? Oh, what's that? Which is the same process. So you use it as the same kind of medium. Very interesting. I've never actually heard it put like that. Yeah. Versus think about it. So email is that way, right? Now what's social media? You go to Facebook. What are you doing there? You're more like scrolling and Oh, look at the fun cat video, right. you know, or, Oh, look at what Vernon's doing. Oh, click on that. Huh? Interesting. Same kind of process, but not as direct. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because your email box is your email box. Right. Not somebody else's. No. Yeah. I, I agree a hundred percent. So do you think there should be a call to action in every social media message that you put out there? No, I mean, no, there's definitely what I call brand awareness and just a communication. Um, but there should always be something to go to, like go check out the podcast or go check mm-hmm. out this, my new book, or go check out this new chapter in this blog post. And then the blog post goes something else. I mean, go go to any Huffington Post, USA Today, 
uh, New York Times online post and tell me that you're never going to see an ad around it. Right. And depending on the site, you're going to get pop-ups for yeah. ads and videos before you can watch a video. Exactly. And... Takes you like 10 clicks just to get the dang blog. <laughs> they're not They're not saying, oh, we shouldn't do that. I feel bad. They're not doing that, guys. They're not doing that. So why should you? Right. I, right? <laughs> we just get oh, a voice. We, oh, we should be, do bad to do other people. Like, no, that's actually how you, uh, if you're not annoying somebody, I think Dan Kenny said that, if you're not annoying somebody, you're not selling, you're not making money. Pretty much. Yeah. So yeah. people don't like me to get off my list. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. It was like, well, I don't know. I don't want to make the people mad on my list. Well, you should probably be mad at them if they're not buying something that you actually have to sell. And you're probably doing them a disservice if you actually have something that's really, really valuable and they haven't bought it. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I work with an acupuncturist on his uh, newsletters and that was the biggest thing. I mean, he's, he's a healer, you know, so he comes from that place of healing and he, he had that hang up with sales. Oh man, big time. Love him. Michael, if you're listening, you're great, but he's come so far where, and I get his newsletters now and he's like, he'll put in like an affiliate link to like, this is the book I'm reading, you know, <laughs> and it goes to the affiliate link on Amazon. I'm like, Oh, that's so great because people want to know they like him. He's an amazing healer. They've healed, they've healed their lives or their back or their whatever they you know, they the ailment you've healed them, Michael. Thank you. Get, you give, you've given yourself the authority to say, Hey, I also suggest this. Hey, I read this book now. Maybe you might like it. Right. Hey, I'm using this new supplement that's really powerful that helps with my brain. You might like it too. Yeah. He has created himself an expert, you know, to his customer base. Why would they not be interested in what he's doing, what's going on, what seminar he's creating, what information's out there? Oh, this new blog post on, on mind creation. Oh, wow. Check it out. Yeah, I think it's all in the way you deliver it. Mm-hmm. I feel like so many marketers are in such a rush to just try to make the dollar that they don't actually deliver enough value to justify earning the right to do it. Oh, sure. Well, there's a difference between spam and... <laughs> right. I mean, right, you know, exactly. you go go back to the TV, click on guide, and you know which ones are infomercials. Right. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Click over that one and then, you know, go to your... Fox News, CNN, whatever your choice is, and watch your favorite person, and they'll say whatever, and then all of a sudden you'll get these commercials forever. <laughs> so, and then you, you know, get annoyed with the commercials, and then you wait for them to turn off, and then you watch TV again. I mean, you know what I mean? We're used to this. We are trained. We are trained. So, therefore, use the training you have, which is we are trained that way, and therefore all your marketing, all your email marketing should have some element of moving people towards some kind of what I call sales exchange with you. Yeah, that is, that is really, really it's a better valuable. way to put. No, I, yeah, no, I think that's great. That's a, that's a valuable message. Is there a piece of parting wisdom that you would like to leave the audience? Something that you've heard sure. that you're like, Oh wow, that's that, that was a game changer. Oh, we sure. I'm actually, um, I moved my head a little bit. Apologize. Um, I have these things called life lessons mm-hmm. that I have up on my, Right next to me, I'm staring at them. I stare at them almost every day in my life. So I'm just going to leave you with one because I think they're uh, pretty powerful within themselves. Let's see. Which one am I going to pick? Okay. Never keep anyone in my life that's not part of my fan club. Oh, I like that. It's crystal clear, right? Yeah. This is, okay, this one's an interesting one. We could definitely talk about it, but we don't have to. But it is a pondering one because it's up against what I call the norm of, on, of life right now. Uh, and I like it. Like I really live by it. Okay. So quote, I am the most important person in my life. This equals mature selfishness. Oh, that is interesting. Mm-hmm. Cause you're, t- you gotta take care of yourself. You cannot take care of other people if you don't take care of yourself first. Yeah. I always have that conversation with people that are nurturers. It's like, look, I understand that you want to take care of everybody but you have to take care of yourself in order to be able to take care of everybody else. And that's what the, the word mature selfishness is. Yeah. Mature selfishness is actually the ability to be able to take care of yourself so that you can then provide whatever you're providing to the world, to yourself, to your family, whatever, you know, like a Tony Robbins, he takes care of himself. Yeah. Right. 
I mean, yeah, he does. You have to spend the time. You guys spend time. So, uh, some people go, oh, that's selfishness. I'm like, no, that's mature selfishness. Right. Yeah. No, not everything centered around you, but you have enough centered about your, you know, about you to make sure you have the energy to take care of everyone else and the resources to take care of everyone else that you actually need to take care of. Yeah. That, that is such a good one. Thank you. So I leave you with those to ponder. Feel free to, <laughs> to take them and put them next to your desk. That's awesome. And that's been, it, this has been an amazing interview. I, I really did enjoy the time that we spent talking together. And guys, something that I want you to pick up on is almost every entrepreneur that I've asked questions about either their daily routine or what they do. This one wasn't an obvious question, but if you think about what we just talked about, the fact that Heather has stuff sitting right there that she looks at that's positive reinforcement about keeping her on her mission to empower women and stuff like that. That quote is going to help keep her centered so she can provide that value to people. That's just something to, to think about and to take away. And it's like, okay, am I, am I doing the things daily to reinforce what it is that I want to do? Because the journey is rough. And of course, you know, as, as everyone jokes, the struggle is real. And to have things like that that are positive, that helps keep you focused on what you need to do, that are with an eye shot. So when you're frustrated and you put your head in your hand and you happen to look up, you've got something in front of you to help you reinforce it. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I really do appreciate you saying that. And I love the fact that you have that stuff there. And I'm not surprised. <laughs> well, thank you for that. That was very um, eloquently said. Well, thank you. And I really did appreciate it. And thanks so much for coming on the show. Sure. Thank you. So what a treat. That was amazing. Great interview with Heather Havenwood, Chief Sexy Boss. That's that's a pretty cool brand. I really had a good time talking to Heather. And I hope you guys got a lot out of that. She is a very interesting like coach and business person. You should definitely check out her website, pick up her book, and get into it some. Some of the stuff that she has in there, I mean, it it applies to anything that you're doing from a business perspective, an online business perspective, and you can use it if you're in the dating scene. You can use it for that stuff. I mean, it's she has some amazing information, and as you guys can tell, it was a, it was a fun interview. We hit it off really well, and what you'll get as a bonus with this interview is we did a Blab Hangout where we got into all types of subjects. We got a little bit more into her background, deeper into her background, and then we actually brought on some people and did some live like Twitter assessments during the podcast. So that was really fun. Definitely check out Heather. You can find her everywhere. It's in the show notes. Really do appreciate you guys tuning in. Remember, we need ratings and reviews to help keep the show popular and up there in the top 200 in iTunes. So definitely go out to vernonross.com forward slash reviews, and you can leave a review right on iTunes. That'll pop it right up in your phone, and all you have to do, leave a rating, quick review just let us know hey i love the show something like that and you're done but we really do need those ratings and reviews even though the show's not brand new still like to get them and still like to hear your feedback so email me vernon at vernonross.com of course you can find me everywhere online at ross pr connect to me there keep the instagram stuff coming uh, instagram has been fun and Keep the Snapchats coming. A lot of you have finally joined me on Snapchat. Of course, I'm at Ross PR on Snapchat. You can view my snaps, and of course, I follow everyone back that follows me on Snapchat. And it's been great connecting with a lot of you guys that way. So until next time, guys, I will see you in the next episode. My hand will your hand.